Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how the line of Cain is missing from the lineage of Adam. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. Asham knew we are guilty of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God's seed, as a little kid, it was God's seed. Say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just like God. Now here's Tom Cantor as we conclude our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday study in Genesis. Now we come to chapter 5. And here we see the start of the genealogy of Adam. And the first thing we're told is that God created Adam and that Adam was made in God's likeness. You see that? Now, when we look at the history of Adam in these three verses, you know what you don't see in this history of Adam? You see no mention of the fall of Adam. I mean, after all, he brought sin into the world and death by sin. That's a pretty significant event, don't you think? But there's no mention of it here. And yet, why? Because Adam did what the Lord Jesus Christ told the church to do at Ephesus in Revelation 2.5. Adam remembered, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works. Because Adam remembered from where he fell. Where did he fall? He fell away from friendship with God. And what did he do? He repented and he returned to God to become friends again. That's why Adam's sin is never mentioned in this history. Why? Because when a sinner repents of his sin, God takes his sin, and what does he do? He says in um, Micah 7.19, Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. He does what he said in Isaiah 38, 17. Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. He does what he says in Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He does what he says in Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out thy transgressions as a thick cloud. And in Hebrews 10, 17, he does. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's why there's no mention of Adam's sin and the monumentalness of it in Genesis 5. Because he repented and God saved Adam. And then all of his sin was gone. It was not recorded. It was blotted out. It was not in front of God. It was behind God's back. It was far away as far as the east is from the west. It was not retrievable It was cast into the depths of the sea, and it was never going to be remembered again. It's so wonderful to read Adam's history here and see nothing of his great sin here. makes us know that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, God says the recording of your sin will not be played again. It's over. That's wonderful. So, God's seed starts out here by Adam. And what's the one word? Here's a question for you. What's the one word that's used three times in the first two verses about Adam? What is it? Created. It's actually four times if you include made because they have the same meaning. Created. It's created. This is an emphasis. God's seed emphasizes the fact that they were created. 
For God's seed, creation is not just a scientific explanation of origins. For God's seed, creation is very personal. Because it's not just that God created mankind. The point is, God created me. The point is, God created you. And that means so much to us because when we're empty and we're lonely and we need God, we run to him and we, with pleasure, we say, you made me. You made me. When we sinned and we need to come back to God, we come back to God and we say, please forgive me. You made me. When we know we are like the Jewish people and we fell away, we forgot one thing and God reminded them in Deuteronomy 32, 18, he said, thou hast forgotten God that formed thee. God that formed thee. We're afraid. We hear the words that God said to the people of Jacob in Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. See the tie? I form thee. Thou art mine. We love to say, you made it, you own it. (laughs) To God. You made me, you own me. With pleasure. We feel we don't have any purpose in our lives. And we don't know if God's really going to use us or not. We don't even know what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. We remember the words of Isaiah 49.5. And now, thus saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. We are his servant because he made us. Isaiah 44.21, remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed me, thou art my servant. Twice he said it. Thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Isaiah 43, 7, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, I have made him. It means so much to us. It's not just a counter-explanation for evolution. In Tecate, Mexico, we have a wonderful doctor. Her name is Dr. Yolanda. Among her medical responsibilities for our 500 employees, down there. She's also responsible for the spiritual development of the hundred children in our school. So recently one of our staff came into our clinic and told her that her foot was infected and she needed medicine for her foot. So Dr. Yolanda asked her to just get up on the examination table and let her have a take a look at her foot. And the employee said, oh no doctor, she said, my foot is very ugly. (laughs) She said, and Dr. Yolanda looked her right in the eye, and she said, oh no, she said, your foot is not ugly because your foot is made by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he doesn't make ugly things. She got up on the table. That story spread all around the company. God's seed loved to say, the Lord Jesus Christ made us. The Lord Jesus Christ created us. And God's seed does not say, that someone is ugly, or they hate someone because they are a different race. Why? Because God's seed knows that that person was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's seed is not about to call what the Lord Jesus Christ made ugly or to be hated. God must really love the Chinese because he made so many of them. (laughs) So we as God's seed, we love to proclaim that God is our creator. He created us. And the truth of this creation is like an anchor that brings us back. 
Devil's seed, they love to emphasize that God does not own them or have any right to them because God did not create them. Devil's seeds say somehow they evolved from what started out as a big bang and then we had all this non-living matter and that somehow this non-living matter organized itself into microorganisms and somehow that microorganisms further organized themselves into man. How that happened, they're not completely sure. But one thing they are sure of is that God had nothing to do with it because God did not make them. Why? Because God does not own me. And he does not have a right to me. If you don't think that's what the devil's seed loves to emphasize, come to Creation Museum on Santee on September 29th for Creation Day, Museum Day. And we'll have, as we have every year, a big group of atheistic evolutionists. And Ray Comfort is buying lunch for them all. He's going to engage them. And then you hear it. But that's why creation is emphasized in the history of Adam and not in the history of Cain because this is God's seed. And they love to say, God made me, God owns me. Now, God names Adam, you see that in verse 2, and Adam refers to the earth. That's the word for earth in Hebrew, Adama. And it has to do with color, color like red iron in the earth is, uh, makes a red color. And uh, blood is red, the word for blood in Hebrew is dam. And so Adam, his name brings it back to earth. His name refers to earth. So in Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man, or Adam, of the dust of the ground, or Adama, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God gave to man that name, and it comes from earth. Genesis 3, 9, for dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. So if we do with Adam like we did before, and we interview him in a little chair, you remember we interviewed the sons, and we said to Adam, okay, well, why did God name you Adam? Tell us, Adam. And that Adam would say, well, Adam means earth or ground. And God made me out of the ground. And God wanted me to never forget my mortality. He wanted me to always have the, you know, self-perception. And see, he wanted me to always remember my body's going to return to the ground from which he formed me. So he named me after the ground. Because he knew that if I strayed away from that, I'd be in trouble. And that's why God named Adam the earth a word coming from the earth. When you look at the genealogy of Adam in verse 3, you notice anything strange in verse 3 about Adam's genealogy? What do you notice? Look at Genesis 5.3 and ask yourself the question, is there anything strange about that genealogy? It starts off. Yeah, that's right. No Cain. Because he was the firstborn. Okay, Cain. So why isn't Cain listed? I mean, Cain could protest and say, hey, whoa, whoa, where's me? Well, where is Cain? Cain's not there. Why? Because of four very important words in verse 3. This is the genealogy of the genealogy of Adam of those that are in his own likeness. In his own likeness, in his image. What does in his own likeness mean? Well, does it mean that they look like him? No, both Cain and Seth, they look like Adam. Who else are they going to look like? But there was a difference between Cain and Seth, and they were not inwardly like Adam. They were outwardly like Adam, but they were not inwardly like Adam. So in his own image means inwardly. There's a great issue here being brought up by this fact because Cain is missing from verse 3. And we have to keep in mind this difference between inwardly and outwardly. Those words in verse 3, in his image, could be inwardly. God made, in verse 1, it says, God made Adam in his own image. God made Adam to be inwardly like God. That doesn't mean that Adam looked like God outwardly. 
It means that Adam was like God inwardly. So when Adam fell into sin, then he was no longer inwardly like God. But when Adam returned and repented to God, then he became inwardly like God again. And then Adam thought like God. And then Adam loved the things that God loved. And he hated the things that God hated. He made decisions like God would make. And Adam's first son, Cain, physically like him, was only like him outwardly, but not inwardly. And what we are tracing here is the son that is in Adam's likeness, or inwardly like him, who will carry on the seed. That's why we start with Seth. We could hear Cain protesting. Wait a minute. I'm the firstborn of Adam. How come I'm not listening to genealogy? Sorry, Cain. You are only outwardly like Adam. You are not inwardly like Adam. And when God makes up his genealogy, he doesn't do it like man does based on the outward, but God does his genealogies according to 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord does not see as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart inward. So Cain might say, but I look just like Adam. Yes, you do. You look like him outwardly, but you don't look like him inwardly. Now, the fact that Cain is missing here gives us now answers to two very important questions. What are they? First question, what about the majority of people, Jewish people, who refuse to repent and reject God's gift, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they really Jews? Second question, what about Gentiles who repent and accept the Lord Jesus Christ, God's gift? Are they Jews? All right, so the answer to those two questions is really found in the absence of Cain in verse 3. And Paul made it very clear in the last two verses, if you like to turn to Romans 2, where he said, for he in Romans 2.29, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Jewish people who refuse to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, outwardly they are Jews, but inwardly they are not Jews. Just as when God wrote down Adam's genealogy and Cain was missing, In verse 3, when God writes down the genealogy of Abraham, the genealogy of the Jewish people, those Jewish people who are not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ will be missing. Why? Because like Cain in relation to Adam, those Jewish people, like in relation to Abraham, they were Jews outwardly, they were not Jews inwardly. How about the second question? How about Gentiles who repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they Jews Those Gentiles who repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ inwardly, they are Jews. And just as when God wrote down in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3 the genealogy of Abraham or the genealogy of the Jewish people to the Messiah, we find that God inserted or grafted in Rahab the Canaanite, Bathsheba the Hittite, and Ruth the Moabite, and those Gentiles became part of the genealogy of the Jewish people. So God will insert or graft into the genealogy of the Jewish people the names of those Gentiles who receive the king of the Jews. The Lord Jesus Christ put it this way, John ten sixteen: Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. When those other sheep are put into his fold, they're part of his fold. And they may look outwardly different 
Although nowadays with Falashian Jews, who's really looking different? But anyway, they may look outwardly different, but every one of those sheep does one thing that makes them a part of that fold. When the shepherd speaks, every head goes up. Every head points toward the shepherd. They hear his voice. They recognize him, and they follow. So Cain's missing. Lord, you're so good. You rejoice in mercy. Lord, judgment is a strange work for you. And you love to save sinners who repent. And we pray, Lord, help us as your seed to be like God and have this same joy that you have over one sinner that repents. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, today you spoke that there is one shepherd. You know, it's always been confusing about the church in Israel. You hear sometimes different things about the church in Israel. Some say that Israel and the church are the same. Or I've heard some people say that Israel is the wife of the Father and the church is the bride of Christ. Can you help clear up some confusion here on what is the difference between the church and Israel? Well, this is a very, very important point because there is so much confusion over what is the difference between the church and Israel. And the verse that we covered today really hits the answer here. John ten sixteen, where the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to his congregation of Jewish believers, and he's saying to them, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So first of all, we have to understand, when he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, that he sees them as he's talking to them as a fold. And he's referring to them as this fold, this group of sheep, you You Jewish believers here in the land of Israel that he was speaking to at that point, he said, you group of Jewish believers are a fold. And then he says, I want to tell you that I have other sheep which are not of this fold. In other words, they're of another fold. Well, who's the other fold? He has a fold of Ethiopian believers. That's the Ethiopian fold. He has a, a group which are American believers. That's the American fold. He has a group which are Russian believers. That's the Russian fold. He has a group which of Eskimo believers. That's the Eskimo fold. So he has all these folds of believers from different places, and they're called folds. And then he says that them also, I must bring, I must bring those who call to God who are in America. I must bring those who call to God who were who were in Russia. I must bring those who call to God who are Eskimos. He said, I must bring them. And he says, I will bring them because they shall they shall do what the Shema says. Also, the most famous prayer among the Jewish people is Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. In other words, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's Shema Yisrael. No, here, you know, H-E-A-R. Hear, O Israel. That's why it's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel. And he's saying, every believer will hear 
that the Lord is an echad, that the Lord Elohim, Eloheinu, the Elohim, in other words, that the Godhead of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, is one, is one. They're one together in a, in a, in a unity together. In other words, every believer is going to hear that the Lord Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And that's what's going to make them a believer. And, of course, as they hear these God Almighty, then they're going to listen to his message. And his message is, repent, turn from your sins, receive me as your Lord and Savior. They will hear that. So, therefore, the Eskimo fold, the American fold, the Russian fold, all hear that same voice. They hear the Lord Jesus Christ. They realize that he is God. They turn to him with all of their heart. They receive him as Lord and Savior. That's what makes them believers. They hear his voice. That's why he said, they shall hear my voice. Then he says, I must bring them. So what's he mean? He's bringing the American believers, the Eskimo believers, the Russian believers, the Ethiopian believers. He's bringing them all. And what's he going to do? He's going to set up different folds. Okay, now, you guys don't be together. You be separate. Ethiopians, stay in your place, and Russians, stay over here, and so forth. No, he's not doing that at all. He says, when I bring them, he says, there shall be one fold. You know what those words are like? That's like Genesis 1, when God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so we can hear him saying, let there be one fold, and there was one fold. And he says, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So in other words, he's saying, all of those different groups, the Ethiopians, the Americans, the Russians, the Jewish, all of those different groups, let there be one fold and one shepherd, and all of those distinctions from a spiritual point of view of, well, this one is Jewish and this one's Ethiopian, all disappeared, even the distinction between male and female, all disappeared, and now there's one fold, and the characteristic of that one fold is that they have one shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church. The church is spiritual Israel. The physical Israel, the Jewish people, were meant to be the leaders who received on earth the Bible, the knowledge of God, and so forth, the presence of God, and they were to go bring those other groups. They were to go do that. Why are we so confused as to what the church in Israel is today? Because the Israel today, the physical Israel, is so far from God. They're temporarily off the train tracks. They've been set aside. And for the most part, the Gentiles, the Gentile believers, are doing the job that the Jewish nation was supposed to do. But step one to doing the job is to become a believer. It's not to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to despise him. It's not to cast him off. And so they've been temporarily set aside on, the, on God's trade tracks. But Paul asks the question in, in Romans 11, is this permanent? Hath God cast away his people whom he foreknew? And Paul said, God forbid, it's not for permanent. It's just temporarily they're set off the side until Zechariah 12, 13, 14, it comes into play, and then they'll all mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and they'll be saved, and they'll, then God will put them back on the train tracks. Then that'll be very good. Now, so physical Israel was just God's 
means, uh, God's intention that there should be a people who would follow God and would carry the gospel and that each one of those people in their own individual hearts would make their decision for God would become a nation of believers. Well, th- that didn't quite happen. Didn't happen at all. But uh, but that's only temporary because it's all going to be changed when we get to the the fulfillment of the prophecies in Zechariah. And then when that happens, then they're part of the church because the church is the one fold. God has one fold. It's called the church. God has one shepherd. He's called the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and that is, the church is the Israel of God. The church is spiritual Israel. That's why it also says in this great passage, which we look at together of Romans 9, 10, 11, when it speaks about the Gentiles, it says, you were grafted in. You were grafted in to spiritual Israel. And and you were not a natural branch. But the Jewish people are natural branch, and they also need to be grafted in. But it should, should be easier for them because they've been raised with the knowledge of God and, and with the Bible and, and so forth, and they all know the Shema, like I just quoted a minute ago. So it's easier to graft them in. But each person needs to be grafted in, Jew or Gentile. They all need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. Thank you for joining us today. Now, would you like to learn more about Friendship with God and Tom Cantor? You can by going to friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go to israelrestoration.org. On both websites, you'll find lots of information, helpful resources, and tools to help strengthen your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, would you like to contact Tom Cantor? You can do so by sending an email to Tom Cantor, that's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Cantor, C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us and give us your feedback at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can also call us and get Tom Cantor's new DVD resource, What is a Jew by Choice Versus a Jew by Birth? This is a great scriptural study. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051.